It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, everybody, Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. John and I here with you. You're going to hear this on Monday morning, but I can I can tell you, trust that the wounds are deep for John and I because we just went ahead and recorded this post game, and I can tell you, after having forced myself to watch that fourth quarter, when the Celtics absolutely got alphaed and rolled over in the third quarter, John, <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, there's a lot to to be frustrated with in this game. Jay Crowder's one of them. Kelly Olynyk not knocking down shots is another one. But the fact is this: if you're not gonna rebound. You best be getting back on transition D, and that's how I know this team rolled. <laughs> how they got rolled or how they rolled? Uh... No, they rolled. They got rolled, <laughs> but they rolled over. They went into total submissive mode. I just <sighs> seriously have some respect. I felt like to start there was there was a lot of energy and a lot of desire to I – mean, look, 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 we didn't record after game three, so – there's, you know, perhaps some of my own thoughts at least were that I expected game three would be a pretty tough game to win just because, you know, everything that happened in Boston and, you know, it, I just knew it was going to go that way. Game four was the one I thought, okay, this is our chance. This is our opportunity. And I thought the first quarter really lived up to that. And then the second quarter happened. <laughs> and, I, you know, there's some issues in the first quarter there that, you know, we're, we're certainly going to talk about a great deal and people are going to focus a lot on starting units and, and who's, who's starting and who's, you know, this group and that group. But anytime that you're going to turn the ball over, the amount of times the Celtics turn it over in that second and particularly third quarter, you're not going to win many basketball games. I mean, that, that, that one stretch where they gave up, I think, 26 to zip, they had eight turnovers. They only had five shots, and in that same spell, the uh, the Wizards were ten for thirteen. So there's your ball game right there, you know. I mean, and that the shots they did get were open shots. How many open looks yeah. did this team not knock down? And I'm with you. I hear what you're saying, but they got you... so disjointed so easily. And I remember tweeting. I think it was probably early in the second quarter. And I was being smarmy about it because of the way that the first two games at home went, giving up big leads. And then obviously in game three, they give up a big lead and they're not able to recover. And like you, I was totally willing to accept game three. You sort of expect it. That's just, right. you know, Washington's got a lot of fight in them. But then once Ubri gets hit and or uh, hits Olenek and you think, okay, the depth is not there for this team. Now they're down another man. You really felt like the Celtics had a shot to win this, but I tweeted right around the early second quarter. I go, wait a second, hold on. The Celtics didn't spot Washington a twenty-point lead to start the game. I don't think I like where this was head. This is headed, and I was being joking, but then it really did turn out that way. And what I mean is that they were going to spot them twenty-plus points, basically unanswered at some point in the game. Normally they do it the first quarter. Tonight they did it, or. Last night for our listeners, they did it in the third quarter. Well, that's and that's the crazy thing because you know we've been watching this for a long time, watching this team for a long, 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 long time, and we know this season they have not gone through lulls like this. But for whatever reason, in in this postseason, it's happened against the Bulls, and it's really happened in this Wizards series. They've gone through these spells where it's it's like they've never met before. They've forgotten how to play. You know, they don't even know what the sport is, and they just just shut down for four, five, six they minutes at a time. They have to dig a hole. They have to dig a hole. It's who they are. 
right? <laughs> so now they've got this hole that everybody's going to say Brad Stevens is getting fired. He's on the hot seat. It's a hot mess. And then they're going to go back and win game five. This is something else I tweeted, though. You want to talk about taking holes? How about they go home? They lose three games straight, drop one at home, and then in total Celtics fashion, go win one on the road, which they haven't done in Washington all year, and then bring it back home for game seven. That's Monday the 15th. And then the next night on the 16th, we win the draft lottery, number one overall. And everybody's talking about how we're going to rock the world to beat Cleveland. <laughs> well, I'm not quite there yet. I mean, I, I, <laughs> we could end up there and I was ready to have a post game show here where in effect where we ended up talking mostly about that fact, but, and, and be perhaps a little bit bullish in doing so, but. Look, I mean, this is a, this is a best, best out of three, you know, first to two wins moves on situation. Cleveland wraps it up today. They're going to have, you know, I don't know how they're, they're going to be on a beach in Cabo. I think at this point watching the rest of this series, it's going to go for a while. It's going to go at least six games. It's, it's probably going to go seven at this point, but look, I mean, let's talk about the Celtics here. They've, They've got to figure out their turnover situation. I mean, this is a, a team that has taken care of the ball so well throughout the season. And then they have these, these instances where they just, they get careless. They get completely careless with the ball. And, and yes, those are marks of, of young teams. And, and I think it's not entirely unlikely, you know, unexpected these things happen. But of the t- 18 turnovers that happened tonight, Ten of them were from Marcus, uh, from Isaiah, and from Bradley. And if you want to throw Smart in there, there's two more, so there's twelve. And if you throw, you know, I mean, that's that's twelve of the eighteen. Two thirds of the turnovers come from Isaiah, Bradley, and and Smart. I mean, the guys with the ball in their hands, not good enough. No, I agree, but they also got lazy on offense, and that's part of the reason for those turnovers. No ball movement, settling for, and I agreed. If you get an open look, you should take it. You should shoot the three. But Jay Crowder couldn't hit the broadside of a barn tonight. And what you would want to see from him is adjustments where he then begins to try to attack the paint, drive the lane. You know, the Jay Crowder that with healthy ankles we thought we saw a year and a half ago. We really have not seen him enough. And then tonight he settled for those open looks, which I'd be fine with if his his shot was falling. But it wasn't falling. And neither was was Kelly Olynyk. When was Kelly Olynyk the most effective? When he was in the post trying to create some shifty, nifty sort of finishes around the rim. And the other thing that that does for the Celtics is it puts Washington in foul trouble. But when they're not aggressive that way and they sit out beyond the arc and hit and just settle for the... And I get it. They're open looks. But when they settle for those threes, two things happen. One, Washington never gets into any kind of foul trouble. They get to remain the aggressor, not only on defense, but also on offense, which has the Celtics on their heels. And speaking of being on their heels, the other thing that happens when they shoot those threes is there's a whole lot of long rebounds, which the Celtics aren't securing. And the thing that they did horribly tonight was absolutely atrocious transition defense. So if you're not going to make the commitment on the offense, and you're not hitting your three-point shots, and it's caroming off the back of the rim and coming out to the free-throw line, and you're giving Washington a head start, and you're lacking effort to get into transition, <laughs> you're dead, folks. You're dead. And that's how they went 26-0 and uh, on that run. And, and yes, the turnovers were part of it, but it was all of this complacency and lazy once they realized that things just weren't working. And Brad said it before, too. We just try to shoot our way back into the game with home run after home run after home run instead of running our offense. And they got taken out of their offense way too quick in that third quarter. You know, and, and it, it, that also goes back to the, the, the idea or, or the, the thing that we've seen so much is they, they shoot the ball well early and then that kind of leads them to think that they're going to keep doing that. They're going to, that success is going to continue. Isaiah shoots five for five in the first quarter. And I think the feeling was like, well, okay, things are happening. He's flowing. But usually that's not the way these games start. It's, it's usually he finds that groove later on. Certainly game two being good evidence of that. And, 
you know, basically from that point on, you know, he started starts off five for five. He he doesn't make another three the rest of the game, and ends up only shooting seven for fourteen. You know, so so after the five for five from three, he goes uh, two for nine. And the rest of the way. Now, he can't shoot 14 points, 14 shots. We can't have a situation where he's got 14 shots in a game. That's just, they're not going to be, they're not going to be successful. If, if this offense, all it leads and yields is 14 shots for Isaiah Thomas. But on the other hand, he's all, it's all he's going to get if Jay Crowder is going to shoot two for nine and Bradley's going to shoot two for nine. I mean, there's, there's no other alternative out there if those two guys aren't going to be able to get it done. And, and look, let's give Bradley a little bit of respect. I mean, look, he, obviously there's something still going on with that hip. So, you know, he's getting it wrapped up. There's a lot going on with that. I'm not sure what's going on with Jay. Uh, obviously that 0 for three from, from three isn't good enough. One for five for three for Bradley isn't good enough, but, they need, they need those guys. They're not going to win this series without every Bradley and Jay Crowder being being a key cog in in making the Wizards pay for double, sometimes even triple teaming Isaiah Thomas, which is what we saw tonight at times. Yeah, when you say they need Bradley and they need Crowder, maybe they need them to be Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I mean, I'm well, just saying, you look, know, there's an issue. Yeah, I, there's no. an issue. I love Bradley. He's being tasked with a very, maybe one of, other than maybe a LeBron James, one of the hardest defensive assignments in this series, uh, in, in, in the postseason. I get it. He does the dirty work and he's a little undersized, so it takes a lot of work. So I'm willing to be forgiving, especially considering an injury. Where I land on Jay Crowdy right, right now is maybe we had a chance to sell high. And we might have missed that opportunity. This is not a good look for him in the postseason. I want to make one other point that you said, or I want to enhance one other point you said, which was the Celtics thought in the first quarter that because they just kept hitting those shots and hitting those shots, that that was going to continue for them. Here's what I'll say. For better and for worse, the Celtics do not believe in the law of averages. <laughs> and, yeah, and, that's right. and sometimes it goes their way. And we could be talking after game five and we're all excited and everything's back on track and the home crowd and the yada, yada, who knows. But the Celtics really have not played their best ball in this series. Despite winning six straight, the final four against the Bulls in the first two games of this series, those were not very pretty games. They they were a flawless execution in the second half of both games, and that's what helped them secure uh, the two victories at home. But they've got to play a lot more like those guys, and they have to play <laughs> that way for four quarters, not for one, two, pick and choose. They've got to do it the whole way. And Amir Johnson, we'll talk about this in just a second, Amir Johnson was not the adjustment. It was nice to see him hit a three. It's not the adjustment, and... Even the TNT announcers mentioned that he seemed to be laboring a little bit up and down the court. Now that he hasn't played, his conditioning may have been impacted. So let's talk about that in just a minute. First, make sure you're following Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. And I also am really loving B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick, so check that out. So, John, let's talk about adjustments because... There are more people clamoring for Jalen Brown to go into the starting lineup. And I have been super quiet about Jalen probably for the last month of the season and That's into the postseason. Enough. That's ridiculous. Who are you kidding? You, you, you are, you cannot be quiet about Jalen Brown. But I have been that is, that is to the crazy. Rest of the season. Uh, Since he well, lost okay. his starting job, I, I mean, I could have, you know how I am. I could have been like, You've taken oh your my medicine. God, what is going on here? Right. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. This you think he should start? You think uh, he's the guy? I thought he, I thought he should have started game three. Right, right. I remember you saying that, and I and I wasn't opposed to that myself. I mean, I I think that to me, there's two guys at this point that that are in consideration. I think Those you or maybe. Here. 
You've got to look at Rozier. I mean, he, he consistently, consistently, he's been probably the most solid Celtic outside of Isaiah and Horford. I mean, he rebounds, to, he gets in transition right. defense, right. and he's the only guy on the team in this right. series so far that you can count on to hit an open three pointer. Exactly. And, and okay, let, let's uh, let's let's build the the. The roster or the, the rotation, I suppose, backwards. Your Horford's going to be your center. Okay. He's going to go against Gortat. That makes sense. That's worked. I think you, you look at Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris. Uh, well, we're not sure, but let's just say it's Markeith. Um, <laughs> conspiracy you know, you, theory hashtag, right? You put, you put Jay, Jay on him and, and when he's been playing against him, it's worked out. It's, it's been fair, right? So then you've got Porter, Beal, and Wall. Well, you're gonna have to go with Isaiah, right? And you know you're gonna you're gonna pro- Brad, Bradley's gonna play. So who's the guy that's gonna guard Otto Porter, or who's gonna guard Beal? I mean, basically, one of those you know whatever you do with it, you're gonna have to hide him on one of those guys. You can absolutely, absolutely in, in any circumstance, you can put Jalen Brown in that scenario, and he could succeed. Can you put Terry Rozier in that situation where you've got three guys six one and under? I'm not sure you can. I, when when you when you're talking about rebounding like you were, and I and I agree with you, the rebounding has been atrocious and it seems to have gotten worse and worse since the the Chicago series. They seem to figure it out later on. The Chicago series have come back and 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 do the things that Rozier was doing, but not enough guys are doing that. So. If you well, don't go on. with him. Let me jump in on that real quick with just one side comment, which is the fact yeah. that every time, and I think we said this on last week's show, every time they're getting their butts kicked and out-rebounded in the size matchup, the lineup that works almost inexplicably is when they get smaller and smaller. Yeah. And you you think you're in bizarro world. That's where I think Terry Rozier deserves a shot in this case. But I think that's a cross match situation. I think that's when you're when you're up against a, a Bogdanovich, or, or you know, you could beat a guy like that to the ball, or you can uh, maybe maybe Kelly Oubre is sleeping, and um, you know he's too busy, you know, trying to be physical and all that. I mean, I, I think that that's probably where you're where you're getting at least your initial edge, and it's and it's lamps with Rozier in it, and it's because he's feeling good and 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 rolling. I just I, I'm not sure there's a very different dynamic to a starting lineup and I I'm not sure that Terry is that guy. I think Jalen could be that guy. I think he absolutely could be the guy that could come in and and, and play well with the starters. Something we've talked about on the show a lot that he plays better when he plays with guys that know where they're supposed to be and and look out for each other's weaknesses. And maybe that's the type of energy we need in that group is, you know, a, a big long athletic guy who can hit the boards a bit. And and bring, bring Terry in with that next group of, of players that includes Marcus and, and, and Olenek and, and Jarebko. Because I think Jarebko is, is another guy that deserves some consideration. He's not shot the ball well since the injury, but two minutes, two rebounds. And I'm not saying it's all about the rebounds, but for what he does, and if it works, he can offer a little bit of what, what we got out of uh, uh, Gerald Green in the last series, but a little bit more rebounding. And I think that would pay off a a great deal of dividends here in this this series against the Wizards. I'd like to see him mix it up with Gortat a little bit, to be honest with you. I'd I'd like to see him get tangled up. I think he's a fighter. And you're right, his shot hasn't been falling. But nobody is – he's scrappy. He's – look, he's an elder statesman, so he's a vet. You know he gets into right position. And honestly, look at a lot of the fouls that the Celtics had tonight. We can talk about the officials all we want, blah, blah, blah. That's not the cause of a 26-0 run. What is, though, is the fact that when you foul the other team, why don't you foul them like you mean it? This and one scenario (laughs) is ridiculous. And that's when I knew they were being lazy and they had given up on the game. You cannot foul the opposing team and then foul like you don't mean it. And I don't think I don't think we would have that problem with Jarebko, and I think that's where he might start to disrupt things in the interior. And if you don't want to put him on Gortat, put him on Morris. I don't care. But either way, I think Jarebko could be, if not a starter, 
he could be a much bigger difference maker than he's been given the opportunity to. And maybe even somebody like Tyler Zeller. At least there's some length there. And Tyler still makes good decisions with the ball. I'm not saying he replaces, you know, the Amir Johnson in the starting lineup and plays, you know, 30 minutes a game. But why not some spot minutes from some of these guys with a core starting lineup of IT, right? Basically everybody but Amir. And I just, hey, it worked with Gerald Green, but maybe this series needs somebody else to sub in. But Amir is still not working. So it could be Jalen Brown one game. It could be Tyler Zeller another game. It could be Jarebko another game or different spot minutes throughout the game. But one of those guys has to step up because the Gerald Green and Amir Johnson, that lineup's not working. And the problem is, is now the team has no idea what they're doing. And they even feel and look confused out on the court. I I think that the biggest thing that draws from is offensively, though. I, I mean, I think defensively, that's, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to fix, but I don't think in the half court defense they've looked lost. I think it's, it's, it's the half court offensively they've looked like, what do we do? How do we, how do we beat this situation? You know, you're, you're sending two, three guys at IT to get, force them to give the ball up, right? So you've got to have guys out there that can make the Wizards pay. And, Crowder was not making anybody pay. Bradley was not making anybody pay. You know, and if that, if those guys aren't making their shots, it's tough. So if you gotta get somebody else out there, to me, it's, it's go with Jalen Brown. I mean, look, I'm not saying that he's gonna be the answer to the solution, but I feel like he's, he's, what he will provide will be adequate enough to keep you going. And then it allows you to keep it, when you bring in, you know, the bench, you, and you're keep, you're going to keep Rozier and, and Olenek with Marcus and Rozier, uh, Marcus and Rozier with Olenek and, and potentially um, Jarebko, that allows you to keep a bit more of a, a stable, strong bench that you've had all throughout the season. I'm not sure that that Jalen's meshed as well with that that group, and and I would add to that, I think Jalen is the guy. Who can hit that spot up three, but also drive back door, which will, you know, be add that kind of devastating piece as, you know, they're basically zoning up outside of that double triple team. He's, he's smart enough, it seems, to find those gaps and, uh, and exploit them. I think he's, he's the guy for game four, game five. Yeah. And Avery Bradley, like if you look at substitution patterns, I think you want to keep smart and Rozier together. So I'm buying in on that one. But the other thing yep. is, the first guy in off the bench, Kelly Olenek for Avery Bradley. And then immediately, Jalen Brown slides to the two. They get a little bit longer. And then they try to see, are we going to get aggressive Kelly Olenek, who's willing to work it and mix it up in the post a little bit like he did in the first quarter of last night's game against the Wiz, right? Game four, there was a time when Kelly was really mixing it up and he was inside and the minute they said, mm. okay, now you've established yourself in the post, let's hit some outside shots, and he didn't, he totally lost confidence. They should just tell him, keep using your athleticism in the paint. It's okay if you don't make them, but there's got to be a threat down there offensively or we're not going to be able to create the kind of space. You know, you take, maybe just take a couple of courtesy threes. You know, just a prerequisite, hey, I am Kelly Olenek. I do know how to hit three-pointers. But somebody needs to tell him, we don't care if you miss them. Don't take a lot of them. Get into the post. Do what you can do in there. And then when we're trying to set up the pick and roll, we're trying to get Horford to set all these high screens so that Isaiah can drive the paint, we need you to park out there and pull your guy out a little bit. Because they're not going to shade if he comes out. Because they just, especially if he's got it going. They don't necessarily care if he's got it going in the post versus outside. If they see him confident, they're going to pay attention to him. Absolutely, absolutely, and and let's also say, I mean, look, Kelly Olynyk is is not going to be confused with Charles Barkley by any by by any stretch, but he's he's got to do a better job rebounding the basketball. Okay, the Celtics big men. If you you know, I'm not going to count Jay in that instance, and that's, I'm not trying to cherry pick stats here, but but in part he's also playing a wing position for a lot at a lot of times of the small forward. The 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 big men combined. For nine rebounds, right? I mean, that's not good enough. 
nine rebounds for all the bigs out there. And I'm talking about Amir. I'm talking about Horford, you know, Olinick, Jarebko. Even garbage Zeller. time minutes with Zeller. That's Even right. garbage time. Yeah. So like that's it, unexcusable. I mean, it's there's pathetic, no way dude. this, it's it is pathetic. Got to do better. Got to do better. All right, we're going to come back in just a minute. First, I'm going to tell you about Blue Apron and their mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. And here's the best part. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. And the best part is you don't have to go out and do the shopping. It's all coming right to your doorstep. You can customize your recipes each week based on your preference, and there's no weekly commitment. So if you're going to travel for a couple of weeks, etc., whatever you've got on plans, all you have to do is log into your account and skip a couple of weeks, and it'll pick it right back up when you're going to be home. Some upcoming meals, spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salada, sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice, Parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli, and baby broccoli, and fontina paninis with hard-boiled egg and arugula salad. Doesn't that sound delicious? Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. And here's the best part. It truly is free because we're including free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash Celtics. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Celtics. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And SeatGeek, as the Celtics playoff push is heating up, I guess, the push is... the. The playoff push has happened. They're in the middle of it. It's going. Game five is coming up. It's a must-see game. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. Hopefully we'll see some more, John. And SeatGeek will get you closer (laughs) to the action for great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that are going to fit into your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence, and it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. Best of all, our listeners are going to receive a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, just download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter our special promo code CSL2017 and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CSL2017 today. All right, John, so let's talk a little bit about the officiating. Certainly, it's not anything that you can say is the reason for Celtics losing. At the same time, I wonder if it gets into their heads a little bit. And I love the video that Jared Weiss put up. I know he didn't produce it, but he's where I found it on Twitter of Bradley Beals throwing himself into Isaiah Thomas uh, as a foul, which was obviously ridiculous in game three. And game three, as much as game four was frustrating, game three was really where much of the, I would say, discrepancy in officiating sort of reared its ugly head. And that Beal play is a perfect example. I just love what the maker of that little GIF or movie or whatever, what they did with it. Because the next thing you know, Bradley Beal is swimming with the Dolphins. He's flying out of Isaiah's toothless mouth. He is committing the foul against Kelly Oubre at the same time that Kelly Olenek is setting the screen. It really is hilarious. But that right there, I mean, come on. The NBA, when they go back and look at that, they have to know that there are some serious concerns with officiating and the way that the series has sort of been lopsided. Like one minute they're allowed to have all kinds of physical contact and you're right. thinking to yourself, oh, this will be exciting. They're really going to scrap it up. And the next thing you know, they're blowing the whistle before the foul happens. I mean, I just can't make heads or tails of it. Well, and that's – I think that's the – that's absolutely the frustrating thing in that, you know, it seems like – 
the the whatever it is that the bar that they're trying to set, I suppose, of of what they're going to call, where they're going to call it. It, it gets set and then it gets moved and then it gets moved again and it gets moved again, you know, and, and I, it felt like early on in this game, they were going to let, let a lot of stuff go. There was a lot of calls, a lot, or I should say a lot of contact that Isaiah and Wall were both, you know, taking. They were both taking contact. They were not getting calls in the second quarter. And there was a lot of, a lot of fisticuffs, a lot of pushing and shoving on the, on the boards. And it was, not going Boston's way, obviously necessarily, but it was, you know, it seemed to be they'd swallow the whistles. Fast forward to the third quarter, and it's like everything whistles aplenty, and a lot of whistles, you know, five, you know, <laughs> there was there was one wall t- takes the ball to the basket, and it seemed as though there was at least a three count before they blew the whistle after they actually to actually call the foul. I'm, you know, I'm okay with, with, you know, trying to judge things and, and keep it balanced. I'm not expecting everything to be exactly in line, but when you set the bar at a certain stage and say, okay, we're going to let these guys play, which usually Danny Crawford games do, but then to change it, I, I feel, I feel that they really, they changed the standard of what they were looking for as they went through this game. And as a result, that really Really hurt the Celtics because one, they need a physical game to be to be who they are, and two, it felt like it wasn't. No one was really sure where the game was, and the aggressor took advantage of that, which was which was Washington. The league needs to do a better job. This has not been a well officiated uh, playoffs playoff run. Games I've seen on uh, you know all over the map. It's got to get better. I mean, it's just got to get better. They got to do better for this. This is this is too important, and 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 that's why I think that so many Celtics fans are frustrated right now. It's not just because they lost, but even the games they won, the first two in Boston, not well officiated to begin with. You know, this is they, they, the league needs to do a better job with this. Yeah, it's the inconsistency. I think that's the most frustrating. Um, you know, you see odd plays like Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he actually had two really good defensive plays on John Wall. One of them where John is driving directly. He's just heading south right to the rim. And Isaiah yep. stops, grabs the ball, holds on to it. I was waiting for the foul. I was waiting yep. for the whistle yep. on that play yep. because I get it. It wasn't a charge. It was, it was clean, but you're just expecting that anytime there's a player that stops or impedes the progress, forward progress of another player, you're thinking they're just going to blow the whistle because how else would they have made the play if they hadn't had physical contact with the player? And Keith Smith tweeted this out too, and I thought this was an excellent point. The other frustrating inconsistency, especially in the third quarter and maybe late in the second quarter too, was waiting to see what happens with the ball before they blow the whistle. Now exactly. Keith went a Keith went a step further and said waiting to see if the shot went in before they blow the whistle. And you know, I don't I can't read his mind exactly. There's two ways to take that. One is that they want to make it an and one. So when it goes in they they blow the whistle and and tack on a couple extra points. But the other way is to say if the ball goes in then they let it go. If the ball doesn't go in then they blow the whistle and put them on the line. That right there is just doctoring the game. And that's where the inconsistency is, is troubling for how the series will be, how the series will go. At the same time, you do expect that home court advantage. I just don't know that I've ever felt in recent years that the Celtics have ever benefited from home court officiating. There might have been a handful of games, but in large part, when you look at the way that the games are officiated, they feel equal in the garden and then occasionally (laughs) and I just want to say occasionally it doesn't go their way uh, away from the garden and specifically when they have a lead in a series and I'll even go back to the Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett era the minute they get a lead it seems like things just don't go their way and maybe that's consistent across the league where this this league right now if you're looking at all of the playoff matchups in the second round right now, which one has the most intrigue? Tell me. <laughs> before Can it even fu- started, <laughs> yes, before absolutely. it even started, they yeah. needed this series to carry this round. They need drama. 
they need that manufactured sort of like animosity between the teams from the regular season. They need it heightened. Kelly Oubre gave them everything that they needed. There was even reports at one point that Kelly Olynyk was going to get fined for setting a perfectly legal screen, which is ridiculous. I was really happy to see that that didn't happen, but rumors were out that that might be a potential result of that. Then I start to think maybe if he had gotten the fine, he wouldn't have been aggressive for only six minutes tonight. <laughs> I, you know, the way that that whole, let, let me, I want to talk about that, but, but before I go there, I just want to say this. I'm deeply disappointed that Celtics did not escalate the series. I know that there was already big deal because this They've happened. got fouls to give. They have the They've, depth. They should forearm shiver some. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm not talking about dirty stuff. I'm not talking about, you know, piston stuff and all that. But I'm just saying, and you kind of alluded to it when we were talking about the, the fast breaks. The, the ease in which John Wall gets to the basket, he's quick. He's quick. But, you know, everybody's got to slow him up a little him. bit. They can make him pay. If they started Jalen Brown, they could use him. Then they could throw out Rozier and they could use him. Then they could throw he's out not... Gerald Green and he could use fouls. The... All they have to do is send him to the floor and tire his ass out because right. they don't the guy, have the depth. There's, there's two guys who have the capacity to do this sort of you know, action. It's it's smart and it's Crowder. Those are the two toughest guys. We certainly know Rozier will mix it up, but he's not big. You know, he's not going to hurt anybody. But Jay and Smart have the ability to show who they are and to sh- and and to not not get pushed around. And you know, I think Smart was entering this game trying to kind of find himself after you know a really poor game three. I mean, that was that was about as bad as any as as we've seen Marcus Smart play as he did in game three. I think he was better here in game four, but he didn't. He really didn't put his imprint on the game, and I think that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for him to go out there and put his imprint on on the game and play as he can. I'm looking for him to. To be physical and and to to mix it up, you know, I don't know if there's been some sort of edict from the league specifically to him and Jay Crowder, but they need to do something because right now the, the ease in which John Wall John Wall is not fear, is fearful at all going into the basket, not in the slightest, and they need to find a way to make him think twice about it. They don't have the big guy who's going to come and punish him. They don't have that guy. But they've got a couple guards who can really make them fight around screens and put them on the floor. And I think that's the type of – that's what they need to do. They need to use their fouls. I don't know that Jay's, Jalen's going to do that, but I know Jay and, and Marcus you know how are it should go, though. Able. If I think they should do it because my concern with Crowder and Smart is if that those guys get into foul trouble – it really does seem to swing things a negative way. Whereas I feel like we could suffer fouls from Rozier and Brown and even Gerald Green. But this is my dream scenario. And this is how I think you really get into somebody's head. They should just be like, Jalen, here's what we want you to do. We want you to kind of camp out just outside of the paint. I don't care if they hit outside shots. Just just wait for John Wall to come in the middle. Right? Force them. Cause that's actually what Washington's done a really great job with Isaiah and the Celtics is forcing them to work from the perimeter. So that does frustrate a team after a time. So I would say just let's force them out on the perimeter. What I want you to do is camp just outside of the paint. And the minute John Wall comes into the paint, I want you to slide over, get in front of him, jump up in the air and get total body contact and swat the ball away. Let the foul be called. And then the minute it's done, just do the victory scream from uh of Mel uh Mel Gibson from uh uh you know the movie. Wow, why am I blank? Braveheart. Braveheart. And just yes. like over the top, like you're Freedom. the biggest stunt. Yeah. Or and just just <laughs> the face, just like literally you don't have any right to do it kind of scenario. That do you know how much that would piss off John Wall? If every time he came into the paint, Jalen Brown used all six fouls, swatted it, the whistle gets blown, and then the minute he lands, he's super psyched about the foul. And he just screams like he just owned Wall. I'm telling you, if Rozier and Brown used 12 fouls that way, 
it would absolutely get in their heads. Well, I, 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 I hear you. I, I, I think I'd rather I have go fearful line. going to the basket. I, I want him pulling up at 15 feet to shoot that. And yeah, he's no, a, I'm, I'm he's a good 15 foot hard. shooter. I'm but I foul him hard. I, you know, like they're trying to play this the right way, and it's just he needs to think twice. Like he, there is, he's too quick that if he has confidence, he knows he can get to the rim. That's fine, but but if he's if he's thinking twice about getting hit, and I think that's where you've got to you know kind of get him thinking, you know that that's maybe that's where you slow him up. I I don't know. I'm just I, no. I'm with you. I'm talking full body contact. I'm saying slam his yeah. ass and then act like you just made the best defensive play, even though he's <laughs> going to the line. I'm saying yeah. make him physically pay and. Get into his head by acting like what you just did was so stud muffin, right? Even though you know it's just an egregious foul. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, I, okay. I seriously like a bunch of rookies and second year players who are not supposed to have any impact on the series. This is this would be the advantage of having the depth that they have. The danger, seriously, the danger of having Marcus Martin Jay, and uh, Jay Crowder do that is you have some of your better defenders, better bench player. Scrappy guys. The next thing you know, they've got four fouls and Brad doesn't want them out there anymore. Brad barely wants Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier on the floor. So when he puts them out there, why not play a psychological edge game? Right? I mean, seriously, how come this strategy hasn't happened before? Well, because they, because when you can make free throws, that's, you're giving away, you know, if, if it's, you know, 12, 12 fouls, you're giving away 24 points. You know, I mean, you can't, the, the ref, these guys shoot too well to do that because eventually you end up in the bonus, you know. So then it's then the then the then even a foul on Gortat puts them on the line or Markeith Morris or you know any of these guys. So it's I, I know what you're saying, you know, in terms of, but it, to me the psychological edge is is one or two hits or, or coming from multiple people. It's not just it's not just Dude, a single on individual. a 26 0 run. You can suffer three hard fouls. That's all. Yeah, I'm but saying. it's not. But that's a that's a team. But a team wide concern is when you're down twenty six to zip. I mean, anybody should have been willing to give up. Give it up. You know, the whole Rambus, you know, thing. Part of what made that so important wasn't that it was that they fouled Rambus. It was it was McHale who did the fouling, who was probably the least kind of headhuntery of any of the guys on that 84 Celtics team. You know, that's what made it stand out. So, and you know, probably it's the same reason Kelly Olenek gets the same kind of, um, I guess, attention. But, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. Someone needs to foul them and foul them hard and put them into the, fa- put them to the wood and, and make them earn it. And I, that's kind of what you're saying. I guess it's, it's just a question of who's going to, who's going to do it with meaning. And import and, and force that the next time he's in there, he's looking over there. He sees where smart is. He sees where Crowder is. You know, if he's going over there and it's kind of a, you know, hack a shack almost situation, it, I don't think it has the same psychological impact as it does when you're coming in and you're coming in to hurt. You know, I'm not hurt, but, but to send a message. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Right. Well, send a message. Here's what really happens. If you get carried away with it, the league and the officials start to make you pay in other right. areas of the game. They'll they, find they feel like it. they right. They feel like they're losing control, and so then, then they just break the flow of it. You know, they just they put them on the line with the ticky tacky stuff to protect the player. You know, it, it's what everybody outside of New England might might call the Tom Brady effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know, and and I think that we. Uh, you know, we perhaps uh, don't give enough credit to, you know, the other team sometimes as well. I mean, I think that that you know we got to give credit to what they've done and, and the way that they're earning their keep. I mean, the, the toughness to be down two zero, come back from that, and and to build, you know, it's not not, not a character, but but a culture of 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 being who they are. 
and and finding success within that. Yes, that's game planning, but so much of this is is culture and confidence. And con the confidence right now for this this Wizards team is through the charts. I mean, it's just it's outstanding. But look how quickly that goes away. Look at where we were as Celtics fans walking out of game two, feeling like, okay, fifty three points. What else are you gonna do to me? I mean, come on, man. You know. And now they've dropped two in a row in, in Washington and. Really, the fate of the series hangs on the next three games. Thankfully, two of those are in Boston, and they have an opportunity to to right the ship. But this has got to get better. They got to get better, and they got to get it fixed immediately. Yeah, and I guess we'll just see. We don't know what's going on with Jay. We know Avery Bradley is struggling. Health is a factor. Amir Johnson could even be a health issue for all we know. That plantar sure. fasciitis might have survived the entire season. But it's unpredictable, and then that may be another factor that's going on. I'll tell you this. This team needs guys like John Wall. They need a player that's the best player on the floor. And I know Isaiah is, but he needs help, dude. And he needs more help than than Horford's able to give him. They still have a, a big need for another piece. They obviously need some big men. But at the end of the day... uh I think they can get out of this series. I, there's reasons to be too. optimistic to your point. Seems like the home team has pretty much owned it. But every time you peg how you think things are going to go, they don't go that way. And, you know, I don't want to place, I don't want to place it on health. I don't want to say no. last year they weren't healthy, but they did a really good job this year of staying healthy. And now all of a sudden, and, and I guess we should mention this. The fact that it was reported that Isaiah was playing with a broken jaw when that's not the case at all. But they have gotten banged up. Maybe that's another reason that they got a little soft in, in uh, the games on the road. Could be. It could be. I mean, I, I think that that's, I think that, that, that's a very much a, a possibility. I mean, but look at, you know, you look at Otto Porter. He ends up with 17, you know, 18 points, eight rebounds, four steals, two assists. You know, Markeith gets a 16 and 10, uh, five assists, three steals. Uh, Bradley Beal, 29 points, four rebounds, you know, one steal. I mean, you, your earlier point though about help, right? I mean, if, if you're going to get beaten so badly from the starting group, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to be there. You're not going to be around, you know, for very long. I mean, you can't end up with three, four guys. <laughs> they played against four guys on that team that had more, end up with more than 15 points. I mean, Wall and Beal combined for, let's see, uh, the, you know, 50, 56 points between the two of them. You know, I mean, seven rebounds. I mean, it's just, it, it's well, it's not good enough. It's, it's not, not good enough. It, and you need those guys. The Crowders and the Bradleys have got to step up. Bradley was huge against the Chicago in the latter days of the Chicago series. They need that same Avery Bradley here to to keep at least keep it in balance while the starters are on the floor. We got to go back to the initial, you know, kind of initial points of where we entered this series, which is exactly where we are right now. The Celtics starters have to keep hold serve with the Wizards starters. They have to keep it close when those guys are on the floor. The bench has to be the one to push it ahead. And from what I've seen through this series, nothing has changed up through four games. That's exactly where we are. The bench, the Celtics bench is when the, when everything, when the run has to come. And for whatever reason, the Celtics starters are the ones who have given away these leads in, in, particularly in game three and game four. Whether it was in the first quarter or in, in that game or here in the third quarter. It's the Celtics starters who have fallen not on the down on the job, not the bench. So we need the Celtics starters to be who they are and be who they've been. And if they hold play with poise and they play with confidence, they're going to be okay in game three or game five. If they don't, they're in trouble. And I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to these guys. And I'm particularly, I'm looking at smart. I'm looking at, well, Bradley Crowder and smart. Those three guys smart as, as a bench player, but as really the sixth man of this team, those three guys are the key here. Because for whatever Horford and IT do, those three guys have got to knock down their shots and keep things rolling. Otherwise, 
unfortunately, this is this is not going to end the way we want it to. Yeah, if they don't, then there's no room for Isaiah to do what he needs to do. And exactly. this is the diagram on how to beat the Celtics, and has been for several years. Hopefully, Horford will be a little. He hit three pointers, but. They need yeah. to run the offense yeah. through him again. And meanwhile, and we'll yes. wrap the show on this because you made some great points. But meanwhile, Cleveland sweeps yet another series. This time, Kyle Lowry doesn't play. It's against the Toronto Raptors. They kind of limped through the second round series and made it easy on Cleveland. But how funny is that? They are the second seed. And then they wind up having a pretty easy time against what I would have said before the season and before the injuries should have been the toughest matchup and the biggest contender, even over the Celtics, to Cleveland in the Eastern Conference. And yet they kind of limped through that. And here we go, a team that had injuries and chemistry issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down the stretch is getting a lot of days off, a lot of rest. They're staying healthy and they're coming together. And of course, they also have the luxury of LeBron James and eh, somebody who is a proven postseason performer, obviously, as evidenced by last year's finals against the Golden State Warriors. And you can pretty much bet on that, but I would love to see the Celtics go and just try to put at least one or two wins against Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wouldn't that be nice? I will tell you, game number five coming up on Wednesday, I'm going to be hosting the CLNS Radio Celtics postgame show that night. Make sure you call into the show and join us. You'll see tweets from myself and the Celtics Stuff Live Twitter account reminding you to call in. That's going to do it for this week's show. And the broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in, and you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate, give the show a rating and a review because your feedback is important to us. And one last reminder that today's show brought to you by SeatGeek and Blue Apron. They have a great deal for all of you listeners but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire CLNS Radio Network. Thanks to the loyal audience making it all worthwhile for John and I. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.